Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. We're in James chapter 3, and if you think this is a Valentine's Day message, you were, you might be mistaken, I don't know. We can kind of wrap it around Valentine's Day and the Super Bowl if you want it to be. You can apply it to it. Uh, today, today is a big Super Bowl Sunday, and I, I don't think I have to remind you we did not cancel church tonight, as some have done, or we're not having a Super Bowl party. Uh, we're having a Jesus party. And I'm excited about Jesus. I love him. I don't really care who wins the football game. I just, uh, that's not my cup of tea, but it might be yours. And I'm not shaming you for that, but uh, I don't really care about football. (laughs) Uh, In fact, it's made me work twice as hard this week at Coca-Cola. And so I I really don't like it. (laughs) I've had, I've sold twice as many pallets as I would on a regular week just because of uh, because of the Super Bowl, this big football game where we spend millions of dollars and then we underpay our teachers and I'm not going to get on that. All right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? I'm not going to get on that soapbox, but we underpay everybody except those people who are superstars and they're too young. They don't understand. And then they, then we look at them and think they're crazy for going off the rails because they haven't had time to mature enough to handle a multi-million-dollar budget. They don't, we don't. They're too young to understand and handle that kind of stuff responsibly. And then we get mad that the state of our United States is like this. But I'll get off my soapbox. It has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. James chapter 3, surely by now you're there. If you are, say amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, and I'll accept you holding up your phone, as long as you're not texting on it. Raise it up, yeah. Hold it up. All right, I got some Bible readers here. My, uh, My good friend once told me, he said, if you go anywhere without your Bible... It's like going somewhere without your sword in the middle of a battle. My friends, we if you have your Bible on the phone, we don't have any excuse anymore. I've got my uh, my work provides me with a, a tablet, and I guess what I have on there? I have a work tablet, and it's got the Bible on it. So that way I could be sitting here writing a Coca-Cola order here. I'm going to write the order here. Somebody comes up and they need to hear a gospel. I got the Bible right there. And uh, if they they confront me about it, I I work for Jesus, and uh, Coca Cola is a second job, and so uh, so if they get mad at me for that, I don't think they will, as long as their purpose statement says what it says to honor God and all we do. I don't think they'll get mad at me for having honoring my God, and that's one of the reasons why I work for them. I like them because that's there ain't too many companies out there like that. They honor themselves in all that they do. And so uh, I get off that soapbox too, I guess. James chapter 3. Let's read the word before I go crazy. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Man, how many teachers in here would say that? Not many. (laughs) Please help me out. (laughs) That's what Ferris says, right? 
Uh, please become a teacher. Uh, that's not what he's saying here. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Take this job seriously is what he's saying. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts greater great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water? And bitter come from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Let's pray, and I'll preach. Father, thank you so much for your word, how it chastens us, how it encourages us to exercise discipline with our mouths and our bodies. Lord, help us, Lord, today as we discuss taming our tongue, that your spirit, Lord, would teach us. And help us, Lord, give us strength where we fail you. Forgiveness, Lord. Help us honor you with our lips and our actions, the things that we do. Get me out of the way, Lord, and teach your people today. Empty me of any selfish thing that there may be and teach, feed your flock today and you'll get the glory. I don't want it. In Jesus' name, amen. So bridling the tongue, according to James, is one of the hardest things to do in the entire world. Since... The time that we were created to the time that we will inevitably die, we struggle with this. No matter how many times I tell Asher to watch his attitude, he still has it. 
He's not even three yet, and he's got one. I'm telling you, he smarts off to me and mama. And I'll tell you what it does to me. It just makes me mad. That's all it does to me. And then I have to learn as a parent to bridle my tongue. Right? Watch what you say, Corbin, because you're going to say something you regret. Earlier this week, we, we dealt with a situation like that where I was not bridling my tongue. I was not withstanding from saying something. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. That's fine. We'll leave it at that. I was struggling with bridling my tongue. And so I had to face the consequences. I had to ask for forgiveness. I had to repent. Bridling our tongues is the hardest thing to do in this life. Your tongue can guide you in this path, and it can bring guidance to others. It can tear people down. A kind word can make or break what people are willing to do for you or with you. Men, a kind word, married men, a kind word can change the whole mood of your marriage. Women, same thing for you too. You're not out of that. We can use our words to lift one another up or we can use our words to tear one another down. Truly, our tongues are fire, as verse 6 says. Truly. What good is fire, right? Well, fire has a lot of good purposes, and it also has a lot of destructive purposes. We've seen devastation occur through fire. We've seen overnight a family lose their home, everything that they had worked for, in a night because of fire. But we've also seen fire warm a dying person who is about to face hypothermia and save their life. We've seen fire sculpt and mold one of the most difficult steels, I mean, one of the most difficult metals to bend steel. We see fire purify gold and make the luster so beautiful. We see fire accomplish good and bad. So is your tongue. Will your words be a warming comfort to the people that you come in contact with? Or will they be devastating, tear every bit of confidence that they have in you or even in themselves down? So often, my friends, we just don't realize the effect that our words can have on somebody else. And frankly, 
many of us don't care. And that's a problem. And I'm going to talk to the church here for a minute, those who are saved, the Christians. We need to watch our mouth. So many times we cast a judgmental word or, or we say things that just are not profitable. We find flaws or we do things and we just tear people down, right? Many of us can do that without even saying a word with just a glance we can look at someone and they immediately know, oh, that person don't care for me too much. That's my ticket to leave. I've watched this happen in homes. I've watched this happen in churches. Well-intending people run people off with the words that they say. Will your words today be constructive or a devastating loss? Once you say something, it can, there's been, there's been statements that I've said, let me say it this way. There have been statements that I have said that have taken years for other people to get over. One second of my time where I said something without thinking can cost you years. Telling somebody that you love something that you really don't mean in an argument can cost you a long time of recovery. My friends, be careful what you say. Because your tongue is fire. Since this struggle is for everyone, everyone deals with it, as we find in verse 10, we in turn must be patient with others. Right? If you are on the receiving end of some harsh words, that might mean you have to forgive. That's difficult. Almost as difficult as it is to control your tongue, it's, can, it's difficult to forgive someone who has no control over their tongue. Right? When someone says something to you and you know in your heart, oh, they're just spouting off, they don't really know what they're saying, that is extremely hard to forgive. And what's the immediate reaction that we have when somebody lashes out at us? If you're anything like me, when somebody lashes out at me, I'm going to lash back. Somebody comes out swinging, I'm swinging back. Maybe that's just because I'm a man. Maybe it's because my daddy raised a fighter. I don't know. 
Yeah, I know many of you don't think I'm much of a fighter. That's all right. I will back down from a fight more often than I start one. That's for sure. Just because I don't... I'm realizing slowly that it's... Sometimes, some fights are not worth your time. Sometimes it doesn't do any good to put your two cents in. Just because you see something or someone else speaking does not mean you have to put your two cents in. We're pretty bad about that, isn't it? I always go back to the old proverb. My grandfather quoted it to me often because I needed to hear it often. Even a fool looks smart when he has his mouth shut. Right? Another way of saying that is my mama told me this, Corbin, it's better to shut up and be stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I did that often. Still do. My friends, for many of us, what we need to do is to stop talking. To be an example instead of talking about it. I was listening to a guy talk not too long ago. I recently found this podcast and this guy was talking about the difference between being one of those people that just talks about what they're going to do all the time versus somebody who just does it. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But it's going to start on January 1st. Right? He talked about New Year's resolutions. Oh, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to wait till next year. Next year is my year. Right? I'm going to do it. In his context, he was talking about people talking about getting in shape, right? Oh, I'm going to fix my diet. I'm going to start working hard. I'm going to go to the gym every day. And that lasts about a month. Next year. I missed one time. Next year, I'm going to get it right. He said, you may as well just start now and quit talking about it. Right? Doesn't matter what day it is. Just start. If you want to do something, there's what he said. He said, if you want to do something, stop talking about it, shut up, and do it. Many of us in the church are doing the exact same thing. I'm going to read my Bible this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to read my Bible in a year. Well, I missed it, so I'm going to have to do it next year. And we neglect our spiritual health. Just do it now. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Because by the time it gets here, tomorrow is today.
we were talking, I was talking about like the movie Annie and how those songs, you know, you never really thought about them when you were a kid, but I went back and listened to them now and I'm like, wow, some of these songs we listen to as kids or I listened to as a kid. They've got a lot more significance than I realized, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. It's only a day away. And that's where it'll stay. Tomorrow, I'm going to get it right. Tomorrow, things are going to get better. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. And here we are in the, in the world today and in the church today. And we're in love with tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow's not coming. It's today. What does the Bible say about this? You think I'm talking about something worldly? Today is the day of salvation. Repent, therefore, and be saved. Don't quote me on that. That's, a, that's not a literal quote. Today is the day of salvation is the quote. The rest that I added on there. Don't think I'm quoting the whole thing. <laughs> As a paraphrase, that's the word I couldn't think of. Today. Stop talking about tomorrow. I'm going to do better tomorrow. Do better today. I haven't read my Bible in a week. Well, read it today. I haven't prayed to God in years. Pray today. How many of us have heard this one? Well, I missed this week. I guess that I'll go to church next Sunday. I'll go to church next Sunday. Well, next Sunday you miss it. Well, I'll go to church next Sunday. Then December rolls around. Well, I'll catch you next year, God. We're not promised that. In this world today, we are well acquainted with unfulfilled promises. Well acquainted. We are surrounded by people who say they're going to do one thing and never follow through with it. What good is it to talk about it if you're not going to do it? My friends, your tongue is a very powerful thing. And so many of us, we do a really good job at destroying our own character with our words. Not only others, but ourselves. Many of us struggle with this, and this you can tie to the Super Bowl. Why not? You get mad because the other team's doing something you don't like or the referee didn't call something. Or I haven't watched football in so long, I don't even know how it works anymore. <laughs> the refs don't either. Yeah, They just throw a flag out there every now and again. Just Oh, I think this one, I like this color. I'm going to throw that one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Can you praise God? This is perfect because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Can you praise God in Sunday morning church and then curse people later? What a terrible thing. Oh, I don't cuss much. I just cuss when I'm angry. Bridle that tongue. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Ask God to help you. I understand. Okay, don't think I'm looking down on you. But the only time, if the only time you're doing it is when you get angry, when you lose control, that shows something, right? Out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart speaks. That's what Jesus said. It's not what goes into a man, Jesus said, that defiles him. It's what comes out. What you say and what you do are two different things, right? We talked about in James not being hearers only, but doers of the word. What good is it to just listen to the word of God? What good is it to just read the Bible? What good is it to receive good preaching? I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not saying I'm a good preacher. Just what good is it to receive good preaching if you're not going to do anything with it. Talking about diet and exercise at one point, I can't remember how long ago it's been. What good is it to eat the food of the gospel if you're not going to use it for good, to fulfill what God has commanded us to do. Not suggested, commanded. Do it. Wherever you go, share the gospel. That's what Christ commanded us to do. The last marching orders that he gave us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, says this. Go, therefore, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus Christ. Go ye, therefore, into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Don't go on your own authority because you will fail. All power in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, go in his authority, go in his power, and share the gospel. Tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. You know what the great thing is? You can use your words for good. We're so quick to tear somebody down or talk bad about somebody else or say anything else, but we're scared to death to tell people about Jesus Christ. Right? We're scared to death to do something 
that gives honor and glory to God. Wonder why that is. Because there's an enemy out there seeking whom he may devour. And guess what? As soon as you start fighting against him, he's not going to sit back and relax and say, oh, finally, they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's my job. I'm going to let you do it. No, as soon as you start doing what's right, he's going to say, now hang on here. Right? If Asher's doing something that I don't want him to do, what do I do? I grab him and I say, no, sir. While I can. There's going to come a day where that boy is going to wrestle me and he's going to kill me. <laughs> But while I can, I'm going to pick that boy up and say, no, sir, you sit down. So he knows daddy means business and daddy is stronger than him. How much more do you think the devil is going to oppose us? And he's not some weakling. I've heard pastors talk about that. Oh, the devil's just a fly. You just need to get your fly swatter out with the Bible and smack him. You're not going to beat the devil in your own power. If Jesus Christ himself struggled with the temptation, it's not a temptation if he doesn't have a temptation, right? If he's not uh, slightly persuaded to want to do it, if he doesn't want to do it at all, what's the temptation? Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he used scripture to attack the devil, to fight him back. But when the end result came, what's the final thing Jesus said to him that made him flee? Get away from me. That's not the Bible, is it? Well, I mean, it's in the Bible. So it is the Bible. But in Jesus' time, that wasn't the Bible. Get away from me. How many times did he say that? Get behind me, Satan. How many of you think you have that kind of authority? Not very many. You may believe it, but what are you doing about it? Christ has given you authority with the words that you say and the things that you do. Go you therefore and make disciples of all nations in his authority. How much more confident do you think I'm going to be if I'm coming up here and I have my own idea? If I come up here and I say, well, this is my idea. This is what we're going to do. This, this is just comes out of me. I'm thinking about it. And this is what I wanted to do. Well, I'm not going to have as much confidence um, in the context of my work, if I go up to a store manager and I say, hey, I was thinking, what if we just do this? What if we set this display right here? I'm not going to have as much confidence when I say something like that as, hey, my boss and your boss had a conversation and they told me that I put this here. I think I'm going to have a little bit more confidence when I say, your boss told me to tell you to do this. So I'm not really, I'm not the guy making the decision here, guys. It's God. 
we're moving to context. I switched real quick there, sorry. I'm not making the decision where people are going to spend eternity. In Christ's authority, and praise the Lord that it's not mine, in Christ's authority, I'm going into the world and sharing hope. Why? Because without Christ's blood, people are going to die and go to hell. Our God, my God, loves you enough that he decided he was going to send his only son to pay the debt that I owe to him. And Jesus says to me, and when you do that, when you come to me, I will grant you the spirit of the living God that will dwell within you so that you can tell other people about me. And what do we do about it? Nothing. There was a guy I heard not too long ago. He said, I have never seen such wasted potential as there is in the pews of the church in the United States of America today. I have never in my life he said, seen so much wasted potential. I can't say that personally because this is the kind of churches I've been raised in all my life. My generation has not seen the potential of the church other than in the scripture and in history books. The church that I have seen my entire life. My generation has discovered that the churches of today are a waste of time. Shallow, inconsistent faith. You talk to the congregation, they don't even know what they believe. You talk to the pastor, he barely knows what he believes. You meet the pastor out there in the world, and what in the world is he doing? I don't know what he's doing. Is he really a pastor? Or God forbid, the pastor is doing things behind the doors of the church itself and using it to sin. So much of the church today is wasted time. And the kids today, they see right through it and they're sick of it. And frankly, I am too. Shallow, false faith. Do you believe it or not? Because if you don't believe it, just leave. Quit wasting your time and my time and God's time. Are you a Christian or not? Because if you're a Christian, it'll impact the way that you live. If you're only a Christian or acting like a Christian when you're in the church house, sounds to me like you're putting a mask on.
The person that you are, the majority of the time is who you are. My mom always used to say who you are behind closed doors. That's who you really are. Asher, are you ready to sing? That might be the Lord telling me, I think you drove it home, Corbin. <laughs> My friends, I got a little off track. But the point remains. Your words have an impact on the people around you. If you don't believe in the word of God, why say you do? If you believe that the word of God is true, then act like it. That's the point of what I'm saying today. Be careful what you say. Take thought and consideration for the things that you say. There is nothing wrong with being intentional about your conversations. In fact, I highly recommend it. Imagine the change that will happen in your life if you start saying, I'm going to start taking what I say seriously. I'm not just going to come off of a whim. I'm going to take the time and care and consideration to say, Lord, can you direct my path in what I should say? Instead of me coming out some, spouting off some facts or whatever. What a gift the Holy Spirit is, and so often we neglect it. Why do you think I pray every time I get up here, Father, speak to your people? They don't, you guys don't want to hear my words or what I have to say. I'd rather take a back seat and preach with the authority of the Almighty God. That power doesn't come from me. This authority or whatever I'm doing up here does not come from me. It comes from God. Why? Because I refuse to take the front seat and let him do it. And you'll find a lot of freedom in that. There was a freedom that I found when one pastor told me, I asked him, when I first started preaching, I said, sir... Preaching is extremely difficult for me. He said, well, who's driving? He said, son, you need to get some authority in your preaching. You have no authority. I heard a guy say last week, he said, authority is not demanded, it's earned. Respect is not demanded, it's earned. Who has authority in his church? Not me. The boss, he has authority. And when God says to do something, I'm going to do it. Because I'm just a sheep under the sheep. Under the shepherd. A sheep under the sheep. And you know what sheep do? They follow the shepherd and they make more sheep. Sheep reproduce. 
Sheep begat sheep. That's what my friend told me. He couldn't get that phrase out of his head, and it's stuck in mind for about six years now. Sheep begat sheep. The shepherd don't begat the sheep. That's kind of gross. Sheep begat sheep. Jesus is the perfect word. And this will be my closing thoughts and comments. Jesus is the word. He builds up. He constructs. He burns off the chaff. He refines you like gold in a fire. You must be burned in order to have the evil burned off of you. When Christ comes into you and you go through the fire, guess what's left? It's not you, it's Christ. This flesh must die for the Spirit of God to dwell within us wholeheartedly. Flesh is sin. So will you let him? Will you let him come into you and start changing your life from the inside out? Will you let him? Will you say, God, I'm tired of being in this cold, stagnant position in my life. I want you to fill me with your fire and burn me from the inside out so that I am a light unto a lost and a dying world. So that the words that I say are not mine, but they're the words of the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit so that you may utter what he wants you to say and not what you and your own concepts have a mindset to do or say. You don't go in your authority because you will fail if you go in your own authority. Let God fill you and go in his authority. Watch and just watch what he does through you. God's got some big plans for you. He's got some big plans for you. Walk in it. Walk in his purpose and his plan. As we have a time of invitation and we have our musicians come up to, to, to play us a song. Guys, we got this little tiny, uh, this old organ stool that I've kind of turned into a makeshift altar. I invite you to come. And pray to the Lord. The reason we have altar is because uh, we are putting ourselves on the altar and surrendering to God's will. And if I can pray with you and help you in some way, shape, or form, I would love to do that. If any of you needs prayer, I'm not going to know if you stay in your seat. I pray for each one of you every day. but I don't know your problems if you don't share them with me. And part of my job as a sheep shepherd under the great shepherd is to bear one of your burdens. As, as the church, we are to bear one another's burdens. I'm not exempt from that. Come to the altar and help let us bear the burden with you so you don't have to bear it alone. My friends, as we have a song, pray that you would come.
If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com.